Good afternoon. Welcome back to Cresta in the afternoon. Marcus Peter filling in for Al Cresta on this Monday afternoon. St. Thomas Aquinas is best known for his Summa Theology and is regarded as a great exemplar of systematic theology. But if you travel back in time and told him that, and quite frankly, I have this conversation with a lot of friends, St. Thomas himself would be surprised because he likely saw himself as a teacher of the sacred page, the teacher of sacred scripture. And unfortunately, studying his, his corpus of biblical commentaries can sometimes come across as daunting, particularly if we do not possess the, the language, the lexicon necessary to navigate it. We take a crack at this with Dr. John Boyle. Dr. John Boyle is professor of Catholic studies at the University of St. Thomas. He writes on St. Thomas Aquinas and Thomas More, and also specializes in the theology of the Middle Ages. He's the author of The Order and Division of Divine Truth, St. Thomas Aquinas as Scholastic Master of the Sacred Page. He's also the author of Aquinas on Scripture, a Primer. Dr. Boyle, how are you doing today? Very well, Marcus. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I don't know if you remember, we met once briefly at the... Uh, Aquinas, the Biblical Theologian Conference in Ave. Ah, oh, wonderful. Yes, of course. Yeah, so that was my memory was of you, back. and when I saw... Yeah, it was a while back. That was my memory of you, and when I saw this book out, I, I, I figured this would be a good time to have you on to talk about your work. So I, I want to start exactly with that misapprehension of... Uh, and it's not really a misapprehension, if you will, but, but this characterization of St. Thomas Aquinas as systematic theologian, almost to the exclusion of everything else he's ever done. So I just want, I want you to open up with that comment on that. Well, and, and a great place to start, Marcus, uh, in, in your in remarks. Um, and I would say that's a very modern problem, maybe a very modern division. Um, obviously, we have to have order in the way we think and the order in the things we think about. But there is obviously a danger if we start carving up the reality of, of what God has revealed into sub-disciplines and let them become disciplines under the, under themselves, mm-hmm. systematics, scripture, morals. Um, this is a set of divisions that would be a shock, not just to St. Thomas, but to any of his contemporaries. It would be a shock to his teacher, St. Albert. It would be a shock to St. Bonaventure, right. that, that somehow these were, 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 were distinct things. Uh, the theologian in the 13th century, as you know, first and foremost, his his day job, his official job, when he went into the classroom, he lectured on Scripture. Right. That's what it meant to be a master in theology. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Summa is what St. Thomas did at night in his spare time. As far as we know, he never taught it. Um, no, what he taught was Scripture. And, and the point of an exercise like the Summa, I think, I, at least I've, I've, I've argued this, I hope not wrongly, uh, in great part the point of the exercise like the Summa, which he tells us is for beginners, is to prepare them to be sophisticated readers of Scripture. Right. It's it's not the other way around. You know, read scripture, it proof text your summa, and you're good to go. Right, right. No, no. Re- read read your summa so that you might just be, um, you, you might be deep enough in your thinking about the the mysteries of the faith. The scripture could be opened up even more deeply for you. Right, right. It. Uh, uh... I, I will concede that this definitely appears to be one of the problems in scholastic theology uh, based on my very, very limited observation. And and that is that uh, we ought to interpret everything through the lens of Aquinas' summa as opposed to interpreting 
the, the Summa through the lens of how Aquinas read scripture. And, and he provided mm. this as a kind of mental roadmap for us to be able to navigate certain things. So, for example, in the book of Exodus, um, you know, chapter 32, when, when, when God says, I will wipe out this nation, well, was the divine essence truly angry? Well, no, mm-hmm. Aquinas would have very clear things to say about that, and we, we see this as an exercise in anthropomorphization. But, uh, sorry, that's, that's getting off into the weeds, but you're completely right there. So uh, tell us about, uh, you, you, you've, this is your second work on particularly Aquinas' commentary on Scripture. Uh, your first one mm-hmm. was flat-out uh, flat Aquinas on Scripture, a primer. And I take it, from what my read of it is that it was written for a popular audience. And your your mm-hmm. recent book, The Order and Division of Divine Truth, St. Thomas Aquinas as Scholastic Ma- Master of the Sacred Page, is uh, is for a more scholastic audience? So, yeah, I, so there's the two, there's the two things. I've, I've been thinking about this stuff, Marcus, for so very, very long. Um, and um, the the the, the, the St. Thomas' Scholastic Master is actually really a collection of essays. Uh, as I tried to think my way through questions of Thomas on Scripture and the way Thomas thinks as a theologian, mm-hmm. uh, and and actually Aquinas on Scripture, the primer, it, it, it's it's the new one, um, and you put it exactly right. Um, my goal there was to write for a more popular audience. Um, uh, some of the essays in 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 the Thomas's Scholastic Master are are widely accessible. I think some are probably accessible to no one. And, um, <laughs> probably should never have seen the light of day. Uh, You're far but, too modest, you know, sir. Uh, well, <laughs> you haven't made it all the way through the book, I think, Marcus. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, uh, the I, I do think what Saint Thomas has to say about on Scripture is so profound and so beautiful and so relevant uh, that I wanted to write something that an educated Catholic layman could pick up, and if they read St. Thomas, great. If they didn't read St. Thomas, they just wanted to step into the tradition. Part of I, I say in the Aquinas on Scripture volume, I don't think there's really anything in, in the fundamental vision that St. Thomas has of Scripture that's novel with St. Thomas. I mean, there might be particular interpretations of a given passage or verse, uh, but the vision, the way he thinks about Scripture, this is, he thinks of it, thinks about it the same way Augustine does, the way the tradition as a whole does. He just right. brings that incredible clarity of mind, articulation right. of, of reality to bear on it. So he's just a particularly good guide, not just to Scripture, but to the way the Church reads Scripture. Mm-hmm. And so what I really wanted to do was to lay out as simply and clearly as I could uh, what St. Thomas, that marvelous master of clarity, gives us. And, and of course, the danger, and I, I, it's in both these books, is um, St. Thomas presumes a lot, so I've got a chapter in the Aquinas on Scripture. What St. Thomas presumes... That was going to be my next question, trying, actually. What are some yeah. of the things he presumes of his readers? Yeah, um, well, he presumes probably the biggest uh, is, well, I won't say the biggest, he presumes that we understand the fundamental division between uh, a literal reading and a spiritual reading that is totally garbled in the modern thing, yep. um, as well as uh, the relationship of of the text to the mind of the author. Uh and all of that's related to the question of the fact that Scripture is about the mystery of God and is often not self-evident. Uh, we have a certain modern presupposition uh, as a result of the Reformation that you know Scripture basically ought to be self-evident. Right. And when right. it isn't, 
Um, well, the job, your job, my job, any theologian's job, any reader of scripture's job is to figure out what the self-evident singular meaning of any given passage is. This would just be such a shock to, to yeah. St. Thomas or to Augustine. Absolutely. Um, I mean, you're, you're no stranger. You're no stranger to uh, modern uh, scripture scholarship conferences, and it seems like the praise of the historical critical uh, historical critical method, uh, applying a hermeneutic of suspicion, uh, suspicion, a hermeneutic of doubt, mm-hmm. uh, th- that seems to be the the presupposition when one approaches scripture. There is one thing that scripture is trying to say. Our job is to distill even the literal sense down to this bare bones conformity with mm-hmm. the historical critical method. And, and that completely almost negates the, uh, the way the church has always taught scripture ought to be read. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I think if you, if, if you say the church doesn't come first, and Scripture comes first, and everything's grounded on Scripture, then you better be pretty clear on what Scripture says, and this becomes right. a great Protestant task. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's their task. It has to be their task. It doesn't have to be my task. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, there's a, re- there's a reason I ceased to be a Protestant. I was tired of that task. Um, <laughs> Me too. That's, and, that's exactly uh, one of the reasons I, uh, I'm so glad I'm Catholic now. I don't have to invent things anymore. Oh, isn't it true? Yes. I mean, it's just so wonderful. Now you get to have fun in the playpen and not worry about the disasters if you get it wrong. Right. Um, Because there's somebody there to help you. Um, But if you're dependent upon what you understand the truth to be, what the truth to be, if you're entirely dependent upon the reading of Scripture, then you really do want to get at the singular meaning. And in some ways, the last 500 years is a study in the various ways in which Protestantism has tried to do that. Historical critical starts that way, right? If we could yep. just get uh, get the languages right, if we could be clear on their on their historical circumstance, mm-hmm. on the literary circumstance, then we could be sure as to what Moses meant. Right, and there's such That's a temptation to reduce all of sacred scripture to this one lens and no more than that. And any exegetical right. work that deviates from this hermeneutic is, quite frankly, laughed out the window because it doesn't hold scholastic yeah, power. Absolutely. Uh, and, and of course, the funny thing is, is that um, that promise uh, in the early days of historical critical um, has been shown to be unfulfilled. Um, it no more gets at a singular meaning, um, because the reality is, you know, you go to your scripture conference, and they're all practicing various versions. Well, many of them are practicing versions of historical critical, and they're all disagreeing. Right. So that tells us that um, the historical critical didn't live to the promise if. Your goal is that singular meaning. But if that isn't your goal, if you think that, uh, in fact, the human author might very well mean several things, that God might mean several things supported by the text in front of you, uh, then you can start to have fun. And um, you're, you're not you're not worried in it because for, for many readers, one of the great shocks of reading St. Thomas uh, or Augustine is he'll say, Augustine says this on interpreting a passage. He says, Augustine says this, and it's a different interpretation. And St. Chrysostom says this. Um, and you're wondering, yes, but which is it? Right. And for St. Thomas, after he looks at that big hole in your head and says, that's an interesting question, um, <laughs> his response is, well, yes, all of them. Why couldn't it be all of them? Uh, mm-hmm. And um, that requires that requires a, a realignment of our thinking. I think it's yeah. in terms of things he presumes, so that the literal doesn't mean the self-evident, 
Right. This is the, one of the great modern things. Uh, the literal, we often talk about, oh, the literal meaning by which you mean. Well, what it self-evidently means. No, um, it's what the words signify. Yep. Uh, and that might be very difficult to get at. Um, as it is with so many human things. And and therein lies the the great uh, modern predicament when it comes to approaching any text. We've become uh, so empiricist in our view of everything, our worldview, Mm -hmm. that when we take a look at texts, we've lost the sense of the fact that words can be specific, but phrases can possess a certain census to them. Mm -hmm. And that census ought to be interpreted within the mind of of, of the church that is greater than we are. We're going to continue this conversation with you, Dr. John Boyle. Talking to Dr. John Boyle, Professor of Catholic Studies, at the University of St. Thomas. I'm Marcus Peter, filling in for Al Cresta on Cresta in the Afternoon. Stay tuned. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome back to Crest in the Afternoon. Marcus Peter filling in for Al Cresta on this Monday after Palm Sunday, Monday of Holy Week. We're talking to Dr. John Boyle, Professor of Catholic Studies at the University of St. Thomas, about some of his recent books, including The Order and Division of Divine Truth, St. Thomas Aquinas, a Scholastic Master of the Sacred Page, as well as Aquinas on Scripture, a Primer. So, Dr. Boyle, I, I, I want to just pick up where we left off. You were talking about the precision of words that Aquinas takes for granted that his readers are going to have, but also the capacity to read census, uh, to, to look for the census in, in phrases and in, 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 in context, in paragraphs. Yes. Um, and, you know, I think this... And, and let, let, let's, let's stand back a moment uh, even further and ask, you know, in terms of what St. Thomas presumes. Uh, what's the point of Scripture? Uh, and the point of Scripture is the salvation of mankind. Amen. Uh, the point of Scripture is to re- is, is God's revelation of himself through his church, uh, such that we are able to know and love God. Um, that's fundamentally what it's about. Um, and, of course, it's St. Thomas, so that means... The goal always matters. Um, mm. We don't know where we're going and uh, what the purpose of something is. And the purpose of Scripture is to help man on his goal to eternal life. So that you, to, our, to our earlier part of our conversation, would Thomas care about historical circumstance? Absolutely. Does Thomas care about the, the original languages? He doesn't know them, but he knows a little bit about them and everything, every scrap he has he's interested in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Does he think that exhausts the reality of Scripture? No. And here's the key. You know, all of that is there to serve a higher purpose. And because that higher purpose is God's self-revelation through the instrumentality of, of the human authors, um, then, then we can stop and say, okay, so we know what God's up to. This is what St. Thomas really means by intention of the author. The human author, what's God up to? Um, then in that light, we can stop and ask, what, what, what's happening in this passage of Mordor's point? What's the meaning of these words? Uh, and and, and it, it may seem, you know, facile, St. Thomas can be very sophisticated because each book of Scripture in its own way is directing man in a particular way to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. and, 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 and one can start sifting that, and every, every verse is ordered to what the author intends this book to be about. 
Um, it may surprise many to think that fundamentally Isaiah is about Christ. Uh, <laughs> but in, and is it about the state of the the, Israel, the people of Israel uh, and, and, and they're pulling away from God and they're called back to fidelity and a final... Yeah, absolutely. It's all of that. St. Thomas mm-hmm. is keenly aware of it. Yeah. And what's the point of all of that? The point of all that is to reveal the reality of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there's, there's just ways... You think there's just ways that you, know, you think, oh gosh, is... You know, I sometimes think my students must think at first blush, you know, St. Thomas, St. Augustine, boy, they must... They must be on some really powerful drugs. I mean, you know, how anybody could look at things this way. And what I really try to want to do in the book is suggest, you know, there's a whole vision, coherent vision that's at work here in the way we read Scripture and can right. approach Scripture. that The church has done for 2,000 years. Um, that's so beautiful. And if we have that, um, well, all, all, our, all our thinking as Catholics, all our liturgy, all our worship depends on seeing Scripture this way. Um, and if we see that, I said, first half, it's a playpen. Boy, can we have fun. Uh, and I think nobody has more fun reading Scripture than, the, than, than what St. Thomas calls the Holy Fathers. Right. And, and, he, uh, draws, and, and he draws from the fathers uh, like, like a, a baby draws from his mother's milk. You know, like he, he sits at their feet. Oh, absolutely. He, he completely devours everything that they have. He, he's, almost, he's nourished by the, the, the scriptures, the tradition, uh, and, and he utilizes their wisdom. He, he sits at their feet and allows them mm-hmm. to guide him. And, and just like you said, he doesn't introduce anything novel, but in starting with the end in mind, this brilliant mind of his devises a system without meaning to devise a system. And, and his system is teleological. There is this unified teleology to how he reads all of Scripture and not just as individuated books. Absolutely. No, you, 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 you're exactly right, Marcus. And, and, it's, you know, and, and you know, it's interesting, he has, he has worked the golden chain, uh, you know, which is a commentary on the Gospels that has no word of Aquinas in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's cut and pasted the Fathers. Right. And, and I think there's any number of, of our colleagues who would think, what an enormous waste of time of a great intellect. We could have had Thomas on this and instead we've got Thomas cut and pasting the Fathers. But to your point, you want to know what St. Thomas thinks about the Gospels? Read the Fathers, because they're shaping his thinking. They are what he thinks. Mm-hmm. Um, now, he has the capacity, better than we do, oftentimes to understand what the Fathers are really getting at, mm-hmm. um, to see how they're putting it together. Um, so not only is Thomas a great guide to Scripture, he's a great guide to the Fathers on Scripture. Right. Uh, and that's part of what I love about him. Um, uh, but again, if our goal is sort of like getting the meaning of a passage of Scripture, if our goal is to see what is original in Thomas, uh, Thomas would think, well, that's odd. Um, uh, it's not what's original, it's what's true. And the goal is to see the truth. That means reading Scripture, reading the Fathers, um, trying to get a grip on reality so that we can get the truth of reality, because we get that. Right. You know, then we're on our way. I, I'm really glad that you brought that up because uh, more and more I'm seeing uh, the longer I spend in, in the realm of Scripture scholarship, and I've only been doing this for the past, like actually attempting to be professional in Scripture scholarship, maybe the past six years or so, five years or so. And I'm seeing more and more mm-hmm. this push for trying to be novel. 
you know, uh, fi- oh, fi- yeah. uh, finding something that, that no one has ever said before about Scripture. And, and uh, well, unfortunately, in the process of doing that, you, you, you wind up wading into scandalous waters, but that's the stuff that sells. Because that that's new and, 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 and that's intriguing and that's exciting. Unfortunately, that's also false. The question we should be asking ourselves is not so much what's novel, what's interesting, but what's true. Uh, and you, you would be able to echo this better than I can. But us as theologians, our job is really to rediscover the, the pearls of great price that Holy Mother Church has left us in intellectual tradition, to dust them off and represent them to the world because these are ordered for the salvation of our souls. Oh, absolutely! You put it so beautifully, Marcus. You know, it's you. Know, I mean, one sense, we all want to be. Our pride gets in the way, right? As, as, as Augustine knew so well, we all want to be prized for what we've done that's uniquely ours and our contribution. Um, I think you know part of the the, the current academic problem is um, the the that you know, what works for the sciences doesn't necessarily work. For theology, mm-hmm. um, you know, we want our scientists to discover new things, right? We want them to ever press forward in 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 discovering the way um, whatever it is physicists do those wonderful things they do because they figure these things out and the chemists and the biologists and next thing you know we have um, better stuff. It's just great, um, uh, and it's about something new, right? I mean, if, if if it was just the same old, same old, then, you know, well, we'd be stuck. Um, right. And, but that's not the way theology works. Because no. um, this is about the revelation of God. Um, I don't go out and find new revelations about God. Um, what we can do is deepen them. And, and for that, that means we have to be squarely in the reality itself. And, and, and that means the church, her teachings, the Holy Father's, um, that, that guide us and help us. And as you say, um, you know, um, we blow the dust off. I mean, hopefully it's not too much dust to blow off um, and help others see it. And, and the reality is, of course, times do change. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, the, way, the way we use language is different than the way used in the 13th century, different than the way you used it in the 5th. Um, so, of course, it's very, very difficult for, for, for so many of, of us to just pick up something by Thomas Aquinas and read it fruitfully. We need help. We need guidance. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, uh, you know, and I think you, the, the task of figuring out how to help, all of this is your task, mine as theologians, is how to help our brothers and sisters in the faith um, access the beautiful things the tradition has. I mean, I think you know, in some ways the pontificate of John Paul was just an enormous exercise in this, mm, right? Absolutely. Um, his ability to use contemporary language, contemporary language of person, uh, and excite a whole generation, more than one generation, yep. on all kinds of things, not the least being the beauty of marriage. He didn't change a thing about marriage, um, but he helped us see the beauty of marriage. Right, uh, the right. beauty of marriage is articulated in language that um, we needed. Um, and I, th- I think you know, time is ripe for um, recovering the way the church thinks about scripture. And I do know that I entirely was able to use new language, but I tried to at least use language that was intelligible. Um, <laughs> because, my goodness, scripture's fun. 
Oh, it truly is. It truly, sincerely is. Now, uh, now, going back to that, then, as as Aquinas would understand it, what what is the work of the the biblical commentator? Script, because you're right, scripture is fun, and I could spend hours poring through the the minutia of just one particular text, and and that's fun for me, but that's probably not going to be something I'm able to teach to uh, the ma- the masses. So, what is the work mm-hmm. of a commentator of scripture? Yes, um, well, I think one could say. Most simply, um, in fact, what you in what have you just described um, to help us understand Scripture better? Uh, you know, the, again, Thomas comes to Scripture uh, thinking, uh, and history's on his side. Scripture is pretty mysterious. Um, uh, even the passages that seem self-evident and obvious in their meaning, somehow human beings can manage to get them wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, what seems self-evident actually isn't. And then there's the puzzling passages and how easy it is to get lost in Scripture. I mean, I mean, who hasn't had the experience of reading St. Paul and at a certain point wondering, where am I? Um, <laughs> you can't, you know, it seems like the thoughts just fire in a thousand directions of this incredible, powerful mind and soul, and I am just totally lost in a fireworks show. Um, and I meant to get something out of this. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the task of the interpreter to help us see what's going on. It's one of the things I love about St. Thomas as a, as a reader of, of St. Paul. Um, you know, I think actually, I commented in one of the, I did the introduction for the um, uh, Emmaus uh, translation of Thomas's commentary on, on Romans. And, and one of the points I make in there is I think, in a funny way, St. Paul and St. Thomas are remarkably alike in that their minds are firing in a thousand ways all at once. They're, they're just so smart. And, right. The the, the, the the work of grace in them is so powerful. Um, Thomas works very hard to yoke and discipline that mind of his. Um, and then he brings that. He can see what St. Paul is doing. St. Paul is just firing. But there are arguments in St. Paul. The thought goes somewhere. Uh, the task of the interpreter isn't to say some version of, well, you know, St. Paul, yeah, he's, he's a bit of a nut, and it's just all going in crazy directions, and I don't know what's going on. That's not a helpful commentator. No, not at all. A helpful commentator is one who can say, you know, this, this letter is going somewhere, and it actually lines up, and my job is to help the reader see that St. Paul, because he's got a hundred ideas, but they're all ordered, but sometimes he leaves a premise out of the argument, sometimes he leaves two premises out of the argument. Sometimes he forgets to get the conclusion in there. Um, and, and the commentary's job is to help you see that, unfold it. Um, and then, of course, perhaps most deeply, uh, the commentator's job, whatever you're reading, is to help you see Christ. Amen. Amen. And that's a perfect place as any to end. I want to thank you, Dr. John Boyle, for your time here. We've been talking to Dr. John Boyle, professor of Catholic studies at the University of St. Thomas. Uh, he writes on St. Thomas Aquinas and his work commenting on sacred scripture. Uh, I urge you to look up his information and his work in the archives. I'm Marcus Peter filling in for Al Cresta on Cresta in the afternoon. <laughs>